Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Hey team, this week I'm talking with Alita Storch of Wise Heart Nutrition, a small nutrition practice made up of three neurodivergent affirming dietitians. She's a registered dietitian, licensed therapist, and a body trust provider. Many of us with ADHD face a ton of issues around eating and feeding ourselves. From things that can arise due to choosing what to eat, when to eat, or just not having enough executive function to get ourselves to actually put that food in our mouth. In our conversation today, Alita and I talk about some of these issues surrounding ADHD and eating, such as our interoception, meal planning, and issues surrounding that executive function. We also talk about intuitive eating and how we can modify those ideas to fit in with our ADHD. If you'd like to follow along on the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash wiseheartnutrition. Before we get started, I also wanted to let you know about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group's upcoming registration event for their winter 2023 session on Tuesday, December 20th at 8 a.m. Pacific and Wednesday, December 21st at 1 p.m. Pacific. To register, just go to coachingrewired.com and get your name on the interest list by clicking the teal button. This podcast is part of the greater ADHD Rewired Network, so if you haven't heard of these groups, let me give you a little insight about them. The coaching and accountability groups are an intensive 10-week-long program where you meet three times a week for an hour to help coach you through the ups and downs of your ADHD life. I can't believe that they're already on their 31st season. I went through these coaching groups back in their 11th season and can confidently say that without having gone through this program, I would not have started this podcast. While a lot of the coaching is structured around learning how to do things like manage your time better, the groups also explore the more emotional and cerebral side of things that really make a difference because we all know that just buying a new calendar isn't going to be the game changer that we want it to be. So if you're interested now, or you've been thinking about it for a while, go sign up to get some more information at the upcoming registration events this Tuesday, December 20th and December 21st. To register, just go to coachingrewired.com. That link again is coachingrewired.com. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I was looking for a better way to hit all my nutritional needs. With ADHD, it can be hard for me to hit all my dietary goals as executive dysfunction sets in and trying to feed myself becomes harder and harder. What really sells it for me with AG1 is just how easy it is. With one scoop, I'm getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. While it's important to eat a variety of foods, AG1 gives me the nutritional insurance so that even on those days where I'm just eating handfuls of chocolate chips for lunch, I'm still getting something healthy in. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. Very easy, and I love it. There's no need for a million different pills and other supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Screen is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash ADHD. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash ADHD to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yeah, how about we just start with, can you tell me a little bit about uh, yourself and Wiseheart? So I am a registered dietitian, I'm a licensed mental health counselor, and a certified body trust provider. 
And I started out working mostly with eating disorders um, in like a higher level of care setting and then transitioned into more of an outpatient setting. Um, So through my business, Wise Heart Nutrition, I work one-on-one with clients. um, And in the last maybe like four years, I've really started to focus on working with folks with ADHD um, because it's something that I saw in a lot of my clients. I have ADHD. I think we kind of magnet to each other. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I just found that um, my practice was full of ADHDers and, and I was able to support them just kind of based on my own lived experience. Yeah. And I was just listening to that and thinking like the synergy between doing having therapy work and the registered dietitian sounds like it's incredibly valuable because I, in my experience, it's like people that need help with dieting is not the right word, but, you know, managing what they're eating, you know, we have all the, like it's calories in calories out and all this other stuff. And it's like, but there's, this is all about this mental stuff that's going on too. And that's really, I think the bigger issues rather than the physical act of what needs to happen. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I think when I went into nutrition, I thought it was going to be so much more of the you know, here's, here's exactly what to eat, when to eat, um, more of that, like kind of science based, um, care for folks. And I've really found that so much of it is therapeutic and more around like, what are the barriers to eating? Um, how, how can I support myself when, when maybe feeling like guilty about food or, or feeling shame about like not being able to feed myself. And so the, the therapeutic lens has been so helpful, um, especially with, with neurodivergent clients. It sounds really like a, the way to go for me because I'm, I've personally struggled with my weight since I've had the, you know, mental issues come along. You know, I went to uh, boarding school was and I, when I was in sixth grade and like, then I lost complete control of my, you know, meals. I, and so I'm like thinking back, yeah, that had a big effect. And that's when I started having my weight issues. And that's always what it comes down to is like, oh, how do I deal with that issue then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so with this focus on ADHD, what are kind of some of the things that people with ADHD really have trouble with, with their, uh, eating and keeping and keeping track of that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. Basically, a lot of it comes down to like the executive dysfunction. And then there's also the emotional dysregulation are kind of the two things that are going to contribute to issues with food and eating. So things like forgetting to eat or maybe like not even noticing um, that that someone is hungry um, because we struggle with interoceptive awareness, right? That kind of sixth sense being able to tune into our bodies. So even if we notice hunger, we might not, or sorry, even if we are hungry, we might not notice it. Um, Medication can be an appetite suppressant. So a lot of folks who have like recently started on medication will will notice like gosh i haven't been able to like eat all day and then i'm super hungry at night um and so a lot of folks will struggle with with what feels like binge eating um but it really is this like restrict binge cycle that has been created by by medications or by like the inability to um to tune into our bodies um so that's one piece of it and then the other piece is more of that like execution um, so being able to like meal plan, right? Like I, I don't think I've meal planned for an entire week successfully, maybe ever, um, or maybe once, but then never actually carried it out. Um, so being able to um, meal plan in like the traditional sense can be really hard. Um, having the energy or the bandwidth to to make meals, um, make snacks, stop what we're doing, and like going to get something that can feel really hard. 
Um, just kind of disorganization in general, I would say is one of the big ones. Um, and then the other one I see a lot is around like decision making. And I'm sure you've talked a lot about it on your podcast, right? Like the decision <laughs> fatigue of like, if I have to choose what I'm going to have again and again and again and again, like my brain just can't handle that. Um, and so, yeah, so oftentimes people just sort of opt out or will end up eating the exact same thing, um, for dinner every night, um, cheese and crackers for lunch every single day, right? So then they're not getting variety. Um, so yeah, those are some of the, the kind of like overarching um, issues that, that present. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel so much resonance with so many of those things. I'm like, yeah, it's the not realizing that I'm hungry until I'm like ravenously hungry and then being like, well, I'm going to eat a bag of chocolate chips. <laughs> That's not actually going to make yep. me feel good, but it will cure the hunger in the immediate. Yep. Yeah. And we'll provide, right, like that energy that your body needs, even if it's not like the energy um, that's going to be sustainable or is going to help you um, focus. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, I have uh, kids too in that decision making part where I'm like, okay, I have to decide what I would like to eat and what they were going to be willing to eat tonight. And <laughs> also keep it within the realm of let's not have chicken nuggets again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's a lot of decision making. Yeah. I think the uh, interoception piece is really interesting too, because yeah, it's not because I find it's also not just the hunger cue that I have trouble with, but it's the fullness cue. Mm -hmm. And then even if I'm full, I can be. Uh, it's late in the evening, and I'm like, oh, I'd like to eat something more. And I'm like, but mm -hmm. I, I had too much at dinner, and I physically feel uncomfortable with fullness. My brain still says I want to eat more. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I, I'm curious how you think. Oh, this strategy that I've been working on recently is just kind of thinking that of that kind of like intrusive thoughts and going, mm -hmm. oh, I don't have to believe everything I think. So even though I'm having this thought of hunger, I don't have to believe that I'm actually hungry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if it's, you know, more of like a dopamine seeking or kind of that like stimming, um, right, that's that's driving that desire to eat, um, that might not be some of that like true hunger. Um, some of the other pieces that might be important to check in around are um, like pleasure and satisfaction. So really reflecting on like what I ate for dinner, was it enjoyable? Did it kind of like satiate my appetite? And if not, you might still have this, this hunger, this appetite for something else, even if you're physically full. And so that might be a clue to, to think about like, how can I incorporate more of that into my meals so that I'm not feeling that hunger later? Um, and then the other piece is if, you know, if someone doesn't eat all day and then all of a sudden has a huge dinner, it kind of takes the body a little while to catch up. And so they might still feel hungry. Again, like that's just really good information to to maybe like front load the day a little bit more um, so that your body isn't um, yeah, trying to catch up at like eight or nine o'clock at night for um, several hours of not eating. Yeah, because I, I can definitely see myself being like just doing light little snacks throughout the day and then like, oh, I need a huge dinner. But that's... Mm -hmm then still not quite hitting my marks where I want to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And our bodies are so smart. Um, right. So I think like the, um, the intrusive thought piece is helpful and maybe kind of like ruling out some of those more physiological reasons that that might be happening um, would also be helpful. Part of this too is uh, the, where you're eat, following your body cues and stuff for how you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. So intuitive eating or like yeah. body trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, uh, Talk a little bit more about it, intuitive eating. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So intuitive eating is um, a model that was created by two dietitians, And it's really interesting because it's actually like when we're born, we are intuitive eaters. And over time, as we grow up, um, that intuition is really taken from us through, um, through media, through different social situations, right? This expectation that um, like our bodies are not trustworthy, essentially. Um, so we lose that, that ability to listen to our body over time. And intuitive eating is um, a way of coming back to that. So it's 10 principles it includes, you know, listening to your hunger, honoring your fullness, and it's so much more than that. It's it's about um, like challenging the food police, rejecting diet culture. Rejecting diet culture is like the first principle, um, and is really really important because diet culture is a big part of what robs us from um, from being able to listen to our bodies and feed um, our bodies exactly what they're needing. And then there's also the piece of gentle nutrition, where you know maybe we're we're thinking more about like, well, what does my body actually need? Um, in addition to, you know, like what sounds good. Um, so a lot of times people think intuitive eating, and I hear this with ADHDers, if I just eat, you know, what my body tells me to, I'm only going to eat candy forever. Um, and it might feel like that at first, and your body might want a lot of candy. And with gentle nutrition, you know, you can kind of make more informed choices around okay, maybe I'm going to have some gummy bears and like I'm going to have a handful of nuts with it because I know that's what's going to help me concentrate right now. So intuitive eating is um, the diet culture piece, listening to your body, um, and then also the the gentle nutrition. Yeah, I w- I've always, when I've looked at the intuitive eating piece, been like, I really like the ideas behind it, but it feels very difficult to integrate with ADHD because I'm like, I still have these cues to eat and I'm full. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, you're not alone in that. Um, I think when I was first introduced to intuitive eating, I was like, this is great. And yeah, like it feels impossible for me. Either I'm going to like not eat all day if I'm listening to my hunger cues that don't exist, right? Or I'm just going to like eat till I'm so full I want to explode. Yeah. Yeah. And because we don't want to set up a bunch of rules around eating, although I feel like I try to have like guidelines like eat lunch every day. Don't don't skip that one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some like foundations, right? <laughs> yeah. And that, that was something I had to work on for a long, I took me a long time to realize that I was hidden like three, four o'clock and I hadn't eaten lunch. And it was like, okay, I need to schedule this to happen earlier in the day. And I'm like, I know I'm not supposed to make food rules, but I'm needing to do this. Mm. And yeah. I'd be like, but this is really helpful to have this like structure and scaffolding to my day as well. Yeah. Yeah. That idea of like flexible structure, right? Like for ADHDers, like throwing out all structure isn't going to be the most helpful thing. Um, We're going to end up kind of like drowning in that. Um, And so being able to kind of set up like some, some guardrails um, within which we can make decisions, right? Like I'm going to eat at this time, but it doesn't have to be a certain thing. Um, or maybe I'm going to check in at this time and I'm going to have a snack and then have a snack later. Um, but definitely like creating those moments um, where you actually can feed yourself. I would say like that's not really a food rule, right? That's um, an act of self-care or a moment for self-care, um, just like if you were going to the bathroom. Yeah, because and it's, yeah, it's also the checking in because it's not like I'm going to be like, well, I wrote down that I was going to have this huge lunch, but I'm not very hungry. so. Gotta stuff myself yeah. anyways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that wouldn't be right, like honoring your body's needs. So yeah. I, I love this idea of really getting in tune with it. But 
what are how are some of the ways that people can actually do that? So in terms of like connecting with hunger and fullness, um, building interoceptive awareness is something um, that we can do, right? If we're a little bit intentional about it. And I would say that that starting with hunger and fullness can feel really foreign and feel really difficult. And so I like to have clients connect with it in different ways. And maybe that's like holding on to some ice cubes or holding on to something really warm and just sort of noticing, like, what does that feel like? How can I describe that in my body? Um, just experiencing like different sensations in the body. And then that can actually translate to more of that like hunger and fullness awareness without having to like just focus on hunger. Um, another thing that can be helpful is building like your own hunger and fullness scale. And that's going to look different for everyone. And so maybe like every hour through the day, checking in and noticing like, hmm, I feel like a little irritated. I'm really struggling with concentration. Um, you know, kind of listening, like what are all the different symptoms? Because just listening to like your stomach growling that you might not ever feel hungry, right? If that's the only hunger cue. So kind of building a bank um, can be really helpful for that. The rejecting diet culture, I would say like working with a dietitian, joining communities, um, following anti-diet accounts on on social media, That I think that one can be really hard to do alone. Um, there's some really great books. Intuitive Eating is one of them. Anti-diet is another one. Um, and just kind of like jumping into um, to that community and learning more about like why diet culture is harmful. So I guess like more of the practical eating, right? Like the, the kind of getting to know your body and planning ahead. Um, and so maybe that's like having snacks like visually available if you know that you're going to be in hyper-focus and you're going to be working a lot and you might not remember to eat. Having something visually available is going to make it a little easier um, to at least even check in and notice like, am I hungry? And then follow through with eating. Um, so that's kind of an example of where intuitive eating might look a little different than maybe it's maybe it's traditionally um, talked about. We we definitely have to like plan ahead for some of these things because it's like even today, like I normally would eat lunch around one o'clock, but I'm like, I'm going to have to eat lunch beforehand. So I'm not like sitting there in our talk being like, ah, what's what am I going to do after this and being distracted and stuff? And, yeah. Or, you know, like just what I'm out about and doing stuff. If I don't do the planning piece, it's easy to be like. I'm just going to eat till I'm just going to not eat till I get home. And then it's, you know, what have I done with my day? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you end up like really hungry and, you know, eating foods that like might not provide the exact nutrition that you're, need, that you're needing. Um, I hear a lot of clients say at the end of the day, I just read my cabinet and I'm eating, you know, like chocolate and potato chips. And while there's nothing wrong with those foods, it doesn't end up like feeling great um, at the end of the day when that's your dinner. Right. Yeah. And it's one of the things I really work on is trying to get good sleep. And I know the quality of what I eat at night and especially how close to when I'm falling asleep is going to have a big impact on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I think that's so great to point out that intuitive eating is like more than just food. Um, right. So if you know that about yourself, then you can make more decisions um, that are informed. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I, I do think the piece about, uh, you don't have to do things alone is really important, um, but it's very difficult with all the sh shame that people feel around their diet culture because like diet culture tells us that being fat is a choice 
and you made the decision to do do this to your body and morally what you have done is wrong. Yeah. It's just like um you hear that message and you're like, but is that helpful for people? And people are like, yeah, shame's a great motivator. I'm like, no, it's not. Research shows right. it's not. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there's so many parallels with, you know, the the diet culture and then also um like ableism and, and neurotypical um approaches, right? That there's so much shame around like, well, why can't I do this thing that everyone says I should be able to do? Um, and and so folks who are living in larger bodies get told again and again, right? Well, if you just tried harder, um, if you just did better, if you just wanted it enough. Um, and that's the exact same thing that people are hearing about the way that their brains function as well. Um, so a lot of the work is challenging diet culture, but also challenging some of that like internalized ableism. And so... Yeah, there's there's kind of this added layer for folks with ADHD. Um, and ADHDers feel a lot of shame. I, I think there's some research that um, like ADHDers report more shame and also have higher levels of cortisol in response to that. And so, yeah, if we're trying to function out of that all the time. Um, we're not really going to get anywhere. Yeah, it's just the uh, the connection there and how difficult it makes everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's... a it's really important that people realize that everyone's starting at different points and stuff. And so just because, you know, someone's doing something differently, they, they, they're doing what they need to do and they have their own difficulties and strengths that they're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we take on a lot of personal responsibility. Cause yeah, you mean, even though it's, you know, we have the predisposition for these things, it's still, ends up being our responsibility to deal with because no one else is going to make us do it. Right. right. Which is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there's not a lot of spaces for these conversations. I, I think um, the spaces are growing. There, there's a lot more um, opportunity to be in community, um, both like in the anti-diet community and then also like ADHD adults um right there's like facebook groups and there's support groups and and people are just talking about it more yeah so i I hope that people are finding those yeah i mean i was uh, excited when you emailed me because i was like oh this is definitely someone i want to talk to because i'm not an expert in these issues like you know i'm still dealing with all my own stuff and it's very hard to tease out what's good advice and what isn't yeah yeah there's a lot of advice out there (laughs) so much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I gotta go online like here's this person's video and here's the video debunking that person's video and here's the person's video debunking that video I don't know yes yeah where do you even start <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah which I think is part of that body trust right like there's so much information but what if we just came back to ourselves and and really checked in like what it, what is your body telling you yeah. And if you're the expert of your own body, do you really need these like external sources of information to tell you what, what's right for you? Yeah. One of the things that I think is really hard for people to keep in mind is that there's no number on the scale that they hit and they'll be happy with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I do this with like following my metrics for my podcast. It doesn't matter how many downloads I get. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get one like, I've done it. Yeah. And so with weight and eating, it's like the lifestyle management to doing something where you're happy with your life. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. hard to, as you were saying, the diet culture is just so ingrained. It's hard to separate that. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's so true that like chasing weight loss, right? There's there's this hope that it's going to make everything better. Um, and I, I think ADHDers kind of get a dopamine hit from that, but then it wears off and it's like, well, I want more. I, you know, I, I'm still not happy. But when people are focusing on something um, that's a little more tangible, like, am I like going out and socializing with friends? Am I sleeping better? Um, that 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 can actually create um, a better life for somebody. And so it's more sustainable than I'm just going to like hit this number, which, which really isn't helpful. Yeah. And it's very easy for us to, if I remember the data correctly, that we have a much higher rate of uh, eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's something like ADHD years are four times as likely um, to have an eating disorder um, than, than someone without ADHD. And I think a lot of that is due to like the executive dysfunction, um, right? Emotional dysregulation. And I think also a lot of it is sort of this way of like making up for these inadequacies that we feel throughout our entire lives that we're not good enough, that we're not trying hard enough. Um, and, and so food and diet and body can feel like something we can work towards. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think there's sort of those two underlying things that are contributing to that. Yeah. Cause it's all about trying to re- reclaim that control in your own life. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I get it. Right. I, I feel so much chaos and so out of control all the time. And, and so it makes sense to try and grasp onto something um, that we feel like we might be able to control. Yeah. I mean, mostly it's, it often comes down to like, how do, how do I actually feed myself? You know, like, how do I get past this uh, idea that I need to need to feed myself multiple times a day and I, it's hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite kind of advice or recommendation to ADHDers is to keep it simple. We we have this idea that like one chest to look a certain way, right? It has to be like a sandwich with all of these things on it and a side of chips and a pickle and, and it's all plated. Um, and if that doesn't feel doable, keep it simple. Like what if it was just like three small snacks that you could kind of just like grab out of a bag and and eat that's going to be better than just like choosing not to eat at all so i would say kind of like redefining um what food and meals need to even look like and then doing a lot of outsourcing um so getting pre-chopped vegetables um again like just making things as easy as humanly possible and a big part of that is challenging this belief that um you know quote unquote processed or um, prepared foods are are somehow bad or somehow lesser. But if we're not eating at all, right? Like that's not health healthy or helpful. Um, and so mm-hmm. if we're relying on these foods and that's actually allowing us to eat, I would say that that is in support of health. Um, and so that's where that kind of rejecting diet culture, challenging the food police piece comes in. And so I imagine with the rejecting diet culture, there also is like not a ideal diet for ADHD. Correct. Correct. The one that works for you. (laughs) You know, looking, reading online, okay, like what are these, you know, things that are being reported on for ADHD for diet? And it's like, always like the the science just isn't there yet. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there is some stuff to say that protein is a good, good place to go for a lot of our meals. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, very little on supplements. I think fish oil is the only one that had any yeah. 
reasonable back and maybe magnesium. I can't magnesium, remember. Yeah, I think it's other. Yeah. yeah. Although there's like yeah. 14 types of magnesium. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is where like, right. There's that information overload. Um, and, and I think people get so focused on, well, I need more proteins so that must make like carbohydrates and fat bad or less important. Mm-hmm. Um, when really it's about, no, you just like make sure you have protein throughout the day. Um, and, and protein can be really hard. Um, it tends to take a lot more preparation, right? Oftentimes it, it is meat, which needs to be prepared. Um, so I think oftentimes it does get um, kind of left out. Yeah. And I think people also get bogged down in those really small details. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I need, I need to take more magnesium. And that's the most <laughs> important thing I do. Yeah. How can bring back things to be like, okay, let's focus on the bigger issues, you know, like what's mm-hmm. going to keep you fed throughout the day and make it so you're not going through like a binge cycle or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All the magnesium in the world isn't going to help if, you know, if you're not eating all day and then um, eating all of your meals in two hours a night. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot that people can get out of this by just mm-hmm. focusing on the intuitive eating piece and being like, okay, how can I do better on? I don't like that wording though. Do better. Like, no, right. you don't, don't do, <laughs> do what you can. Yes. Yeah. How can I better support myself and right mm-hmm. in nourishing my body throughout the day? Um, and, and really figuring out like, what does that need to look like for you instead of like, this is what it should look like, or it's supposed to look like um, or this is right or wrong. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and another uh, interesting piece that popped in my head was the uh, health at every size, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which I think is a great move. But I, I honestly still have trouble wrapping myself around some of the, mm-hmm. the ideas. But I also know it's more about focusing on what you eat rather than just being. It's the the anti-diet culture thing of being like, hey, don't mm-hmm. focus on this this particular side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, health at every size is really... Um, built around the idea that like weight is not an indication of health um, and that weight is not weight does not necessarily mean that someone is unhealthy and that people can be healthy at every size um, and so yeah there is no like right or wrong weight um, or good or bad or something we should be aiming for um, and so in, in the work that I do with clients it's more around like how can we set this on the back burner if maybe they're not fully ready to let go of that yet and focus on like feeding yourself, making sure you're hydrated, getting more sleep, all of these other things, and then see how you feel. And oftentimes people are like, oh my gosh, like I actually feel so much better. Even my body size hasn't changed. And that can just be like mind blowing for folks. Um, Too often the recommendations that people are given for anything is, oh, we'll just lose weight. Right. And that's not helpful. Yeah. Cause there's, I mean, her health is so complex. Yeah. Like I was just uh, when I was perusing the the Instagram account you guys have, I was looking at the how calories in and calories out, and I'm just, this. That's something I've always been like. I don't believe our bodies are that simple. Mm-hmm. Like, no. yes, if you break it down to the very end, it's like okay, we're going to ignore everything in the middle here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, if we all lived in a bubble, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, yeah, there you know, things with your microbiome and, you know, what medications you're taking. And because I've always amazed, like, how can a medication cause weight gain? 
if it's down to these things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And your body is going to process food differently um, based on different factors. And and one of those is stress. Um, that stress can really impact how we're metabolizing food, how we're processing, um, how we're storing that energy. And so that can shift someone's weight one way or another. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of different different reasons. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to remember that. It's like, yeah, it's it's never going to be quite as simple as you want it to be. And it's it's okay to be who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really celebrating body diversity. Um, which again, like I think is becoming like more um welcome in the community, right? Like, like we're talking more about size diversity and there's the body positivity movement. Um, and so hopefully that will gain some more traction in the coming years. All right. Do you have anything you'd like to leave the uh, listeners with? I always like to recommend some self-compassion, right? This work is hard. Um, intuitive eating is hard. Working with an ADHD brain is really, really hard. And so there's no way to do this work perfectly. Um, and, and so just really go into it with a lot of self-compassion, a lot of curiosity. Um, and your body is providing a lot of information for you. And, and so if you can tune into that, that's going to be the best guide. Um, what you're needing awesome yeah and where can people find more information about you and wise heart nutrition yeah wise heart nutrition so it's myself and two other dietitians um and we're all like neurodivergent focused um so online wiseheartnutrition.com and then on instagram um there's wiseheart underscore nutrition and then my personal account is the underscore adhd underscore rd and that's more of that like adhd focused content Awesome. Yeah, I think people should definitely check it out. I was reading through the Instagram page earlier, and there was just packed with good information and stuff to help you out. Give yourself that compassion, because that's always what I try to preach on this podcast with your ADHD is that you have to forgive yourself because you're never going to be live up to this imagined self you have. That's (laughs) just imaginary. Like, no, you you got real life to deal with. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. And thanks again to Alita for coming on the show. I feel like I learned a ton and I hope you did too. If you want to learn more about Alita and Wiseheart Nutrition, you can find that at wiseheartnutrition.com or check out their Instagram page at wiseheart underscore nutrition. That's it. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can leave me a message over at hackingyouradhd.com slash contact. You can also reach me on Twitter at hackingyouradhd. And I've also just launched a TikTok channel that you can find by searching for Hacking Your ADHD. If you'd like links or to read this episode's transcript, you can find those on the show notes page at hackingyouradhd.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to share episodes with someone you think would get something out of it. Just click the share button on your podcast player and send your bestie the link with something like, hey, I loved this episode of Hacking Your ADHD. I'd bet you'd get a lot out of it too. Or you can support the show through my Patreon at hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. Sign up for the 2, 5, 10, 25, or even $50 a month level and get some great perks like monthly bonus content or early access to upcoming episodes. That's hackingyouradhd.com slash Patreon. 
And be sure to check out all the other podcasts on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. For interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts, check out Eric Tiver's show, ADHD Rewired. For those of you with kids, be sure to check out Brendan Mahan's show, ADHD Essentials. And even if you don't have kids, his show is still a great resource for ADHD management. If you're interested in exploring issues of race and diversity in ADHD, be sure to check out ADHD Diversified with MJ. I also do a live Q&A with all the hosts of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network on the second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to sign up, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. I was thinking about making a belt entirely of watches, but then I realized it would just be a waste of time.